Hi, this is Tom Pasello, the ROI guy, and welcome to the Evolvers podcast. My guest today is Stephen Diorio. He is currently the executive director for the Revenue Enablement Institute, as well as a senior fellow for the Customer Analytics Initiative at the Wharton School and leader of the Forbes Marketing Accountability Initiative. Prior to the Revenue Enablement Institute, Stephen was a partner for consulting firm Profitable Channels, an executive in residence at Trident Capital, founder at sales and marketing consultancy IMT Strategies, a partner with the Inc. 500 Consultancy Market Bridge, and a marketing strategy leader with Citicorp and General Electric. Almost out of breath on that one, Steve. You had a lot of companies you've been at. So we're here to learn everything there is to know about revenue enablement from the guy, because he set up the Revenue Enablement Institute, one of the pioneers and the expert in it. Welcome, Stephen Diorio. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So like me, I was looking at your background and realized that you got a technical education as well. So early in your career, how the heck did you get into sales and sales strategy from that technical education and background that you had. You know, you're right. And, and it's not uncommon. I was, a, I was a manufacturing engineer. I grew up in the factory at GE all over the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, from being an engineer, it wires your brain for thinking a certain way, uh, mm -hmm. which is both good and bad. Uh, so as I went through my career, I wound up at corporate sales and marketing at headquarters. Uh, and uh, I wound up starting a consulting firm uh, called MarketBridge in the 90s, early 90s, I think 1990s, I had a head of hair like you. And all it was, was a benchmarking firm uh, at the time. Uh, mm -hmm. We would benchmark quality processes, supply chains, sales and marketing. Well, around 1991, we started getting a lot of requests to benchmark sales and marketing or cost to sell. I mean, so you, you flip SGNA upside down and for every dollar you put into sales and marketing, you get five, six, seven dollars of sales. And that became a very, very interesting project. And that led to modeling sales costs. Why does uh, Dell sell $8 for every sales dollar and IBM only sell four? And when you start deconstructing that, you realize that the IBM guy had what they call an eight wheel sales call, eight engineers in two cars. Uh, it was probably a $1,200, $1,500 sales call. Meanwhile, Dell was selling the same thing in a $35 transaction over the phone. Uh, and I remember conversations, you know, in the early nineties on no one's ever going to buy a server over the phone, you know, and you've probably heard these conversations. No one's ever going to buy a book over the phone. No one's ever going to buy a stock over the phone, but I was there with my full head of hair and, uh, you know, what 80% of life is showing up, you know, uh, in 1995, someone at IBM says, have you ever heard of this thing of the internet? And I'm like, yeah, he goes, do you think we could sell over that? I'm like, I think so. And, they, and then they said, you sound really confident. And I said, I am very confident. I'm like, well, how would you like to build our first website? You know, my business partner said, what do you know about the internet? I'm like, <laughs> Five, just a little bit more than the other guy who's not in the room. So let's take his job and figure it out. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the early days. So what happened was to get all, in, in all seriousness, if you build a transaction economic model, there are activities that, you know, $500, $600, and some of them are worth it. A really good field sales rep, you know better than I, it's probably worth that if he's doing he or she is doing something good, mm -hmm. but certain tasks, you know, uh, specifications, you know, $10 transactions, servers, PCs, they can be handled by a partner or a call center. And once you made it to the call center, the, the, the leap to the e-commerce wasn't uh, so far. great. And in yeah. fact, um, 
you know, we named IBM.com a teleweb channel. And in over 10 years, they, they had 9,000 blue suitors. They took it down to three. And they mm-hmm. built a 12,000-person teleweb channel. But if you think about $500 transactions dropping down to $35 transactions, that's a huge difference. Uh, and so that was a transformation. And to answer your question, once you start doing those models, you start mm-hmm. justifying CRM, call center technology. You know, the first website we built for IBM, I think cost $500,000. I mean, <laughs> you could do it now for five, five but it yeah. still paid off. So all of a sudden we started, you know, if you built the first e-commerce website, you know a little bit about it. And then uh, I wound up joining uh, Gartner Group or what was then called Meta Group to build the mm-hmm. first MarTech practice, which uh, as you know, was probably 20 years too soon. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. but 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 I wrote a book on how technology changes sales and marketing, and from there, um, you know, I've been sort of a sales and marketing consultant ever since. But really, it all gets down to the way our brains are wired as engineers. We mm-hmm. see things from a process, people, yeah, a system, a transactional yeah. standpoint. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when you get into marketing, it gets a little squishier. You know, when you're trying to communicate the value of a brand, which is really important, but it, it gets squishier. I really love sales. And that it is transactional. Um, there are hard metrics. There's good attribution events, um, and so that part of sales is good. But as you know, from being in the sales enablement space for, I won't even say how long. You know that space should have taken off. It's the best value prop in the world. And whether it's because there's humans involved or sales is in, in unique, it just never took off the way it should. Yeah, and it's always not vexed. strategic it's always enough. Vexed probably. Me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'll get into that a little bit, definitely. And uh, but I think you're right. I think the systems thinking that you that I learned as an engineer and as running product lines really helped me to think of selling as mm-hmm. a system. And um, there's certainly a creativity in it, uh, whether that be in marketing and sales. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, kind of a system thinking and a data centric thinking, I, I think definitely helps to have that technical background. So now you're the founder of something new the Revenue Enablement Institute. Um, Tell me what the heck is revenue enablement? Some of the folks might've heard about it, some of them might not. I know we were just talking about sales enablement. So tell me what revenue enablement is all about. Well, even though it sounds like, and I think a lot of people think it's a natural extension uh, or a new flavor, it has nothing to do with sales enablement uh, in, in, in the way that people think of a buzzword. You know, one of the big problems in the marketplace right now is, you know, too much proliferation of products. Everyone needs their own category. No one mm-hmm. category even describes somebody. I mean, you talk to anyone in, in the traditional sales enablement space, I think we were talking about this earlier, uh, Gartner Group will have you in four or five different quadrants to mm-hmm. add any value right now. So, um, and I, you know, talking to my friends, at Sir, you know, who founded Serious Decisions, you know, I know the founder of the Meta Group, and they're like, boy, the game is different now. There are tens of thousands of applications. It's more of an ecosystem play. But to answer your question, um, here's what was happening. Uh, I'm running the Forbes CMO practice, and I'm doing the ultimate fool's effort. I'm proving the financial contribution of marketing to share price, you know, uh, which is impossible, like the holy grail. Uh, but actually, working with academics from Wharton and Northwestern, you know, we actually have an equation to do that. And, and, and once you just start that vocabulary, it's great. But what we learned was, in working with uh, organizations, every the real reason people aren't adopting is that sales enablement or whatever you want to call it, automating sales, automating marketing, it's a transformational initiative and it requires change management. 
And I know the head of sales ops from Xerox to Mercer to Pitney Bowes. I know everyone just like you. And they're like, it was never the technology, Steve. It was never the technology. It was the fact that leadership wasn't committed to change management. Yeah. And when you really look at it, and I, I don't think this will be any surprise to you, there are five things, and none of them are really the technology. One is leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, so so the, what revenue enablement is, is the board level conversation about sales transformation. And, and what we mean by that is five things. One, a new leadership model. Uh, I think you've heard this term of CXO, you know, mm -hmm. chief experience officer. And really all that is, is the merging of sales, marketing, and service into a near impossible job. You know, you could, any, anyone could fail in that job. But the reality is because the customer thinks that, that those things aren't different, organizations have to fake it and look Absolutely. like that. So now we call that a new generation of management. And so rather than say, you know, you know, boy, a lot of people have already been fired from these jobs, Tom. But, but the reality is that's our design point is the puck is we have to make it look like those are one things. Mm -hmm. If we can because do that. Because again, it's an experience yeah. and it, from a customer perspective, yeah. they, they don't see those as different. And I, so, I think so I'm not saying yeah. it's a panacea, but let's pretend that, you know, if I could be the perfect husband, <laughs> you know, which you can't be, no one's Alan Alda. Mm -hmm. But, but the point is if you had the perfect executive, they would be that. And in addition, they're going to have to, uh, you know, leverage technology and do a number of things. So one is leadership. We don't really have leadership who's ever been committed to technology. They've always pushed it down to a sales ops guy and they hung them out to dry. Second is teamwork. So growth is a team sport. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've done academic studies that say marketing and sales only, no one owns the whole thing. There are mm -hmm. 20 different job functions, including the guys who do pricing and product. So nobody, the most powerful sales marketing executive in the world only owns half. They still need other people to work with them. So mm -hmm. it's a team sport. And, uh, and, and so uh, teamwork is a big problem. Second, the third thing is common incentives. So, uh, you know, the whole world's lived on the waterfall. It was a great innovation 20 years ago. Yeah. But it was a linear waterfall. And as we talked, out, talked about that, the world's not linear anymore. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of pushback. In fact, there's a great, uh, interview we did with Robin Matlock at, at VMware that says, I don't have the energy to fight about the difference between MQL and SQL. SQL why yeah. am I, why am I having this fight? Mm -hmm. and, I, and there's another really smart guy, um, you know, who uh, the CEO of Marketo said, we should have one metric, you know, how am I growing lifetime value of the customer and mm -hmm. why, no, I sound like Pollyanna, Tom, you know <laughs> that, but at the end of the day, why aren't sales marketing and services people uh, you know, you know, uh, compensated the same way because any yeah. service exec in a SaaS model say, I'm the guy talking to the customer every day. Yeah. But we've and seen this. I mean, we've seen it in company after company where, you know, the, the marketing person is incented by leads. So they're mm -hmm. cranking up the lead count and throwing crap over the wall and the, the sellers are measured on, let's say, quota performance or sales growth mm -hmm. or um, you know, opportunity win rates or whatever that tactical metric is there. And so they're trying to maximize that. And you're right, they're not working so, on a common set of incentives. And so look, is that going to change? There's only one place that's going to change at mm -hmm. the board level. Mm -hmm. If they sit there and go, well, wait a second, customer lifetime value drives our share of price. Why aren't we measuring that? Why mm -hmm. aren't we measuring on a scale of 10 using real data from CRM systems, account health on a scale of one to 10? I mean, it's a common sense question. You can't ask that question in the middle of the organization. They're going to say, mm -hmm. go, to, go to hell, Steve. You know, yeah. this is the way it is. This is the way it is. But at the board level, 
I can bring in some of my academics or uh, an ex-general, and I can punch the board in the road. Like, we know how value is created. Why aren't you guys measuring? So the big insight for the Revenue Enable Institute is when I talk to the CMO of uh, Salesforce.com and Adobe and Oracle, and mm -hmm. I ask, who's your number one competitor? It's not Adobe, Oracle, or Salesforce.com. It's McKinsey, Bain, and BCG, because they're controlling the board level conversation on growth and transformation. And they're putting this stuff. You know, mm -hmm. it's not Forrester or those guys. It's who's ever whispering in the ear of the board. Mm -hmm. And then to use the mute, stuff rolls downhill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. And so uh, after doing this for decades, obviously, I'm like, that's where the battle has to be fought. And the whole premise of the Revenue Naval Institute is that I want to bring a gun to that knife fight. I'm mm -hmm. going to bring in the best academics, uh, the best practitioners, the world's in the expert. If I have to bring a general, as I mentioned, or or somebody else who can help me brush silos, I'm going to do that. Uh, and I think it's, it's working. It's working. Now, obviously, awesome. uh, but, but it's no one's fighting the battle. And I feel so bad. There are so many great solutions out there. Uh, yeah, so we've got selling in at the bottom. But mm -hmm. they, these are these five dependencies, teamwork, yep. common oh, incentives, yeah. insights. So we got leadership, teamwork, common incentives. So number four, just to it, kind of insights. Get, insights. Okay, insights. Awesome. Right now, it's all about analytics to drive. We just did a survey. Uh, I'm going to give you the report, but we surveyed people on, on remote selling. The number mm -hmm. of top four productivity drivers, visibility, 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 mm -hmm. visibility. So mm -hmm. visibility into pipeline, sales activity, account health, and forecast accuracy. Yeah. And so these guys are flying blind. In an era of sales AI, and you know where everyone's in sales AI, people can't see. It's driving me crazy. So yeah. analytics should be connecting the dots. And the last is return on sales assets. So for me, there are mm -hmm. three big sales, sales assets. You and I love content. You know, some yeah. people say they spend 20% of their money on content, whether they admit it or not. Technology, what Gartner says, you spend half your budget on technology. And then obviously a lot of people mm -hmm. and a lot of data. And so those are assets in my mind. Mm -hmm. And everyone walks around with the conception that we're driving a Formula One race car, that, that, a, that a, a sales and marketing engine is a, is, a, is a highly tuned machine. The reality is if it's firing on two cylinders, you're probably winning the race. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you want to be best in class, just tune it up and fire on three. So there's this notion of stranded assets that it's, the game is getting more out of those assets. And, you know, there's so many technologies that can make salespeople more productive, but the productivity war is just, you, I know you fought it for 10 years, mm -hmm. you know, making people 10% more productive. It's just not flying the way we're, with the common, with the way, the way the incentives are structured, teamwork processes and everything else. So something's wrong. And my guess is it's those five things. So I didn't mean to come up with a name that I think you call contentious. I just wanted a word that was descriptive and maybe what I mean by revenue enablement, no one else means, but yeah. it's really the board level fight to get their act yeah. <laughs> And for me, the contentiousness came from, once the term was introduced, there were several folks um, like Scott Santucci and other- um, I work with Scott. Leaders, oh yeah, love he, Scott. Well, he invented the word, I can't- Yeah, I, well, he, <laughs> he, inv he invented sales enablement and then it kind of morphed into this new revenue enablement. He was one of the ones that came out and said, whoa, 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 do we really need another name for this? And so I'll challenge you back, you know, do we need another name? Should be we rolling this under the sales enablement moniker that has kind of just gotten defined and kind of stamped out there, or now do we need to hang our hat on something new? And, and why do you think we need to advance it beyond the word sales now to revenue? Well, a couple things. One, 
I don't want to be in the word game, but to have a mm -hmm. website, you need a word. <laughs> so, too, and I like Scott, and I give him credit for doing that. I think, I don't think we need to rename it or evolve it. I think we need to elevate it. Mm -hmm. I think we're fighting the battle at the wrong time. And altitude. I think he would concur with yeah. that. Yeah. Because it I look, needs to be I, strategic at that highest level. Yeah. My, my rule is I have to be the dumbest guy in the Institute for it to be viable. And I don't, every sales ops guy I know knows exactly what they're doing. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're very, very smart people. They're right in the weeds on this thing. And all they show me is it's out of my hands. So what am I going to do with that? I got the smartest buyer on the planet. Sales ops guys are very sophisticated, but they can't eliminate the dependencies. So for me, my short answer is, A, I needed a name. B, I really wanted to elevate it. I, I don't mean, I, I really don't want to be, you know, in a category or describe a category of software. I'm really, you know, if you read my website and who really cares, uh, I'm trying to teach a new generation of leaders uh -huh. uh, with tools to do it. Now, the tools are pretty interesting and certainly these technologies are relevant, but so are incentive systems and, uh, and, and, and measurements. Absolutely, and yeah. Like Most of what you talk about is beyond the technology and yeah. sales enablement today is viewed very much as a mostly a technology play. Yeah, there's yeah. people in process there, but it's a big focus on the sales ops and the technology to manage content and to mm -hmm. implement learning systems. Well, I think you described it. Presentations. You know, yeah. And it's weird. It's some people, cause I'm a big fan, you know, you and I've known each other for 10 years. Mm -hmm. I think it's the greatest space in the world, but clearly, you know, not a lot of guys are getting rich in it. Uh, and there's not a lot of IPOs like social yeah. media. So something's wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think it's the technology. And certainly I'm a huge fan of sales. They're incredibly important, mm -hmm. uh, but something's wrong. And I, I've tried before I, you know, hang up my spurs. I want to make a difference. And I've tried to, you know, I've written a book like you and uh, I've given lectures. This is my, I, I, in my wisdom and taking advice from really smart people said, try to fight the battle at the board level, see if yeah. you can make a dent. So um, all respect to, to Scott and everyone else who's innovating in the space. Uh, I don't mean to be disruptive in any way. <laughs> yeah, but I think it needs a little bit of disruption. I think it has gotten wrapped around the axle on a, in a tactical way at a lot of organizations. And we have to get it at the board level because it does involve marketing. It does involve services. And you need to have this broader view of a customer experience. And so it kind of does need a name that goes beyond sales. You know, the guys who will dump on, the guys who are actually whispering in the ear, the average sales ops guys knows a lot more than these consulting firms. I mean, these are big <laughs> brand name consulting firms, but they don't really know that much about sales. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously they get called first and they don't let me get in the room, but I'm like, I will say that. I think that we could really use some sales ops knowledge at the board level and some yeah. common sense. And I'm actually trying to bridge that gap because I find the people in the middle of the organization and the people in the front lines know exactly what to do. It's mm -hmm. the leaders who, they, they over-delegate, quite frankly, and they trust, you know, fancy consultants. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't call and, myself a fancy consultant. No one ever called me fancy. Instead of maybe <laughs> talking to their own team and then creating a vision from that to implement. And that is something that I think is missing from a lot of programs is that visionary or the ones that I've seen um, be the best programs are ones that have a very strong vision to what they uh, view, not as a toolkit, but as like how they want to see the customer experience change across the board, how they want to empower customers to do more on their own, how they want to empower their salespeople to facilitate the customers or engage with them or consult with them. So it's those strong visionary programs that I think you're trying I, I, to I inspire too. I, I yeah. think you're really onto something. And uh, I, I'll give you two examples. 
it's almost like a cult. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, Quicken Loans, right? Mm-hmm. They're a demand generation machine. Absolutely. And literally, in all respect, it's Jim Jones-like culture. And mm-hmm. it comes from the top. And the private equity firm, you know, Rockbridge uh, Group, uh, they buy companies that want to do toxic core growth. They've got mm-hmm. a formula. It's a good formula. They get it. And those companies grow like weeds. Same with uh, you know, some other private equity firms. So when you really look at a fast-growing company, mm-hmm. it does have a visionary at the top. Yeah. And I think Quicken Loans is a great. They eat and breathe that. That CEO is on customer service calls. You don't answer that phone in one ring. Uh, they're process-driven. So I think you made a really yeah. good point. And a religious time. methodology and process yeah. that they follow that maps to that vision, I think is key. And you don't really have a lot of CEOs who hang their head on sales. You know, and if mm-hmm. the other thing is sales is a lot like art. Really good salespeople, you know, if, they, they leave them alone. You can't exactly describe, like my brother is a great sales guy. I don't know what he does, but <laughs> he gets results. I can't unbundle it. I can't document it and I can't transfer it to somebody else who's not him. And I think that's another problem that with makes sales is the really good guys can't even describe what they do. It's so intuitive. Yeah, but they're think, so lone wolf kind of oriented that they, you can't replicate it. And, and think system. about it. You, you've spent t- years programming what a good salesperson does. So, you know, it's as engineers, how can you deconstruct something, a black box you can't even look inside? Mm-hmm. It is difficult. So you've got the new Revenue Enablement Institute and you want to get this thing, Revenue Enablement, adopted and built as a practice. What are, what are some of the challenges that you're facing besides people saying, what the heck do we need a new term for <laughs> Revenue Enablement? What are some of the well, other well, things it, that you're faced with? You know, it's funny. I faced a lot of challenges in my life. You know, mm-hmm. I, like, uh, what in front of my side, I'm not facing any challenges. Uh, it's been oh, that's five, good. It's been six months. Mm-hmm. And for once in my life, it's resonating with people, even even my enemies. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I have to tell you something. My goal was to really get at the core, and the response has been amazing. Uh, we're actually leading board level. I'm doing one tonight. Uh, we're changing minds. Uh, we're creating actionable new measurement systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've just published a big report. Uh, on five keys to you know the, the new commercial model and remote selling, uh, but I got to tell you it's early days and look uh, it's not perfect, but I haven't gotten any pushback at all. And I, obviously, like you, I have all these relationships. Most of my clients are really really frustrated CMOs or CSOs mm-hmm. who cannot get through to the board, and they're really excited by the fact that I'm actually getting into the boardroom and getting their boss to listen and think differently. So to be honest, obviously there's a lot of challenges, money, time, reach, and everything mm-hmm. else. But I gotta tell you something, the, the, the response is great. And I think it's good for everybody because uh, I, you, know, you and I know who the good companies are, including the people you work with. And I'm just trying to do something because 99% of these companies are not calling at that level, nor quite frankly, does a point solution have the permission to go in and tell mm-hmm. people how to transform. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, it's been really, really great. And I'm really excited about our, our new report, uh, uh, which uh, we, we surveyed hundreds of, of sales executives and are really getting at, it's written to CEOs, uh, mm-hmm. but it's like, here's what you gotta do uh, to adapt your commercial model. The, the next thing is, you know, there's a lot of smart people out there. Everyone's talking about the new buying reality and the, the, this crazy new buying cycle. Um, I think we're at a real tipping point right now. 
uh, fortuitous to, to, to the launch of the business is this whole remote selling situation mm -hmm. where we've been forced to cut off one arm and not, and it's forced people to look very deeply at their processes and do things that, quite frankly, Tom, you thought they should have been doing 10 years ago. And I should yeah, have thought they should no, have been doing it's, 10 years ago. It's absolutely accelerating that digital transformation because companies yeah. are forced. Now, every seller is an inside seller at this point. And, and, and that's why this visibility thing is so huge because mm -hmm. they're flying mm -hmm. blind. But now you're starting to see people use the data they have. I mean, mm -hmm. they never really took advantage of half these platforms they bought. So yeah. I'm excited, actually. Yeah, I do think that it's great that you've got a catalyst in the economic uncertainty that's uh, um, upcoming, the whole work from home mm -hmm. aspect and not being able to visit or travel or do the things that you would do uh, prior. So I think it's gonna help. Um, and I think the research that you're producing will also help to get this elevated within the C-level and the board so that they'll understand how and why this is different and why it needs to be a strategic They only initiative. listen to peers. Yeah. They, they don't want to hear, they only want to listen to what others So is that what the, the um, you know, and that's what I do here at the uh, Evolve Selling Institute. Is that what you're doing at the Revenue Enablement Institute? Yeah, yeah, like if you read our research, it's the, you know, CMO of AT&T, the CMO mm -hmm. of Juniper Networks, you know, it's, it's not, you know, uh, some Gartner Group thing. Yeah. And when, when we do our panels and we're doing events, I'd like you to be part of it. Uh, we're getting the most, we're getting the allocators of capital saying, here's awesome. where I'm betting. Uh, and, you know, some of the interesting findings we're getting is people are really next year going to back away from these events. It's a chicken mm -hmm. and egg, but the 90% of them are going to double down on what they call digital selling platforms. Mm -hmm. So tell me what the hell that word means, Tom, but I think <laughs> you know what it means. And, uh, and, and when I unbundle that, um, people are getting serious about this because um, they're creating this. So you're right. I mean, you have to speak of certain vocabulary. Everything has to tie to share price at that level. Mm -hmm. and everyone talks about ROI and you know a, very, a small ROI model down here. But if you can connect these big moves to share price and the big incentives to share price, it's a vocabulary problem. It's yeah. really a vocabulary problem. And if you appeal to the CFO, you're appealing to the board, and all of a sudden start making sense to them. We've really got a bit of a Venus and Mars situation. Everyone talks about selling to veto. Uh, they speak a different language up here mm -hmm. and they respect different things. And yeah. you know, it, it's intuitive to say, but those are, I'm pulling, I'm bringing those things to the table because it's a different fight, you know, yeah. and- uh, Now, part of the risk, Steve, is that, you know, there are companies that have adopted, you know, revenue enablement as, really glorified name for sales enablement, or maybe they've Absolutely. added a couple Absolutely. of features to a technology, right? But what you're talking about is fundamentally different. I mean, the five things that you list with leadership, uh, teamwork, common incentives, insights, return on sales assets, there's technology in there, but it's not a technology sale, yet people are calling, you know, labeling something as revenue enablement when it's just a sales enablement platform with a couple of extra features thrown on for service yeah, I've, and marketing. I've seen that. We're, you know, I've, I've seen revenue enablement as a subordinate function to sales ops. I'm like, mm -hmm. how far down in the organization are we going to go? Yeah. You know, and you're the opposite. You're like, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. This is a digital transformation. This is the job of the CEO. From this the board. is the job of the CEO mm -hmm. of growth. Um, I, I will say, I'll give you a stat. We interviewed 800 CMOs with Forbes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, according to CMO, uh, the CMO survey at Duke, which is a pretty good survey, people are spending 10% of their budgets on analytics. I couldn't get 5% of the CMOs and CFOs to tell me whether they were getting a return on data. So no one yeah. argued 
that we're in the era of analytics and that mm -hmm. analytics budgets are going to the moon, yet nobody can communicate that they're getting a positive return on that. How mm -hmm. can that be? Mm -hmm. You know, again, no one gets fired for spending money in analytics, but yeah. I, I have a lot of reports anyone. being generated. Yeah, but are they yeah, being but, but, So I'm asking the question, you've got these assets, how are they performing? They're probably mm -hmm. firing on one cylinder. I'm only asking you to get the engine to fire on two cylinders. You got to mm -hmm. outrun the bear. So I think that that's the thing. I'm, look, add all this stuff up. What are you getting for your money? Demand more. I mean, we have this thing, demand double the visibility, engagement, speed. That's a big change, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 and speed and, and productivity uh, at lower cost. You should be demanding that. Mm -hmm. You know the technology can do it, Tom. You know, yeah. everything, if they don't have to buy a, a new thing, they just got to use what they have and they yeah. can double. That's my view. And that cost thing, I think, is key, too, because what I've seen is a lot of groups go to do initiatives like this and they throw a lot of money at it and they throw a lot of investment at it and then they don't get that return and that um, leaves a bad taste in their mouth. So we've got to make sure that all of those things are there, but they're doing it cost effectively as they go through this. And it's not the fault. It's not the fault of the guy who bought it. It's mm -hmm. somebody five levels up. That's my problem. Yeah. It's like they, the, the software is good. They bought it for a good reason, but they had no idea how hard it was going to be to get the organization to change. Yeah. What's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our Revolver community with today around revenue enablement? I like that question. And my answer is don't waste a crisis. You know, we talk about COVID. It's a bad thing for a lot of organizations. Uh, you know, a lot of people's pipelines are collapsing. You know, there are certain industries you just don't want to be in. Mm -hmm. uh, and I feel their pain. But whether you're defending, attacking, or pivoting, uh, this is the best change management opportunity ever. And in fact, maybe the best time ever to invest in growth because your competition isn't spending and there's no noise out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're actually working with Wharton on a study and I'm appreciating that. But I think my short answer is don't waste a crisis. This is the best time to push change through your organization. I love it. Absolutely. Don't waste a crisis. Revenue enablement. The next big thing, Stephen Diorio, how can folks reach you online? It's a wonderful name, revenueenablement.com. That's uh, Diorio at revenueenablement.com. I have the LinkedIn, Diorio, D-I-O-R-I-O. Uh, -I -O -I um, I'd love for you, uh, your readers, to get a copy of this report. Uh, you know, when you pass it around, I'll give you a password. Uh, we sell it for $600, but uh, I want everyone to get a copy of it. And uh, anyone, listen, yeah. anyone listening to your show, has obviously got the right focus. So uh, uh, we'll put that offer out there, Stephen. Our audience would love to get a hold of that. And I do think that uh, I absolutely love your thinking. I know it's a little bit um, out there um, and elevated, but I think it's something that we have to do. We have to elevate this practice and uh, the, the practice of sales op, the practice of sales enablement to be something bigger and revenue enablement may just be the ticket to do that. So don't waste a crisis. Thank you, Stephen DiOrio. Thank you so much, Tom.